are the ones you're doing in school not that relatable no because it's like mythical legends Hello, I'm Annie Muir, and this is Time for One Poem. In this episode, I talk to the poet Rowan McCabe, the UK's first door-to-door poet. And my poetry sceptic slash expert is David, a 17-year-old in his last year of high school in Glasgow. Me and Rowan talk about how his love of indie bands as a teenager encouraged him to admit his appreciation of poetry. Then, me and David go through Rowan's poem, Careers Day, talking about dream jobs and the delights of earning a living. Okay, hi Rowan. Hello. Thanks for coming to talk to me about poetry today. No problem. Thanks for having us on. Okay, so since this is a podcast aimed at beginners to poetry, can you tell me your definition of what a poet is and a bit about your day-to-day life as a poet as well? Well, I think for me, poetry is about saying as much as possible in as short a space as possible. That for me is one of the defining aspects of poetry and and what separates it from prose. But then saying that, I think there's a balance as well, maybe because um, I'm a big fan of using natural speech in poetry. And sometimes that means you might make something a little bit longer than it could be. But yeah, I'm always weighing up how sure you can make something while still allowing it to feel like human speech. I don't know if that answers your question, but (laughs) hopefully that gives you some idea of what I think poetry is anyway. Um, Yeah, and um, so what was the second question? Sorry, what my day-to-day life as a poet is like. Exactly. Well, it it changes every day, to be honest, and that's sort of the reason I've always loved this job. Um, I've been doing it full-time for three years, I think, Um, and I've been doing poetry, you know, um, professionally for about 10. Um, And that's part of, I think, what's always kept us going with it, because, you know, if I was just always in a room writing poems, I'd probably run out of things to talk about after a while. But there's all these other elements to it, you know, um, sometimes you're editing, uh, sometimes I'm getting ready for a performance, so I'm rehearsing, uh, or I might be writing a show, so I'm trying to weave together a collection of poems into something that works, it's like an hour-long show, um, or I might be putting together a pamphlet and doing a similar thing with a collection of poems. Um, and then there's all the other offshoots that tend to take up um, some of my time as well, so I might be going into a school uh, or a university and working with a group of people to help them write their own poetry. What else? I think that's about it, really. I think that's about all the things that I do. So it changes every day. That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, and it seems to come in waves as well, you know. Um, so at the minute, I'm doing lots of stuff in schools. Uh, but then I guess as the schools close for the summer, then I'm going to be moving back into doing a bit more writing and stuff. So, yeah, you'll often find the work. It, it all seems to come at once for certain things, you know, whether it's commissions or um you know work in schools or filming or whatever it is can you remember how you first got interested in poetry was there someone who particularly encouraged you when you were younger yeah I mean when I was really little like my mom's a teacher uh so we all always had loads of books in the house and stuff and I remember reading bits of poetry uh and being quite interested in it but 
I, I stopped reading it as soon as I became a teenager, really. It was drastically uncool to read or even mm-hmm. consider the idea of poetry. Uh, like, <laughs> um, but I remember being about 15 or 16 and I got into bands like the Libertines. And, you know, there was a band who was like openly vocal about, um, you know, enjoying literature and poetry and, you know, for like 15-year-old me, it was a real sort of, it gives us the confidence to say, actually, I, I like this as well, and this is something that I want to do. Um, and I had a teacher in school at the time called Miss McEwen, uh, and Miss McEwen liked two things. She liked Smiths, uh, and she liked Philip Larkin. Uh, and I remember via her getting really, really into Philip Larkin, and that was probably the first moment when I thought, you know, this is really cool and something that I really enjoy reading and also writing as well. That's great. Can you tell us a bit also about door-to-door poetry? What is it and why did you start doing it? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, so door-to-door poetry uh, is a project uh, that I invented where you knock on strangers' doors uh, and you write bespoke poems for them for free on any subject that they like. And uh, yeah, I started it um, in 2015 uh, in the area that I live in, which is quite near Newcastle City Centre. Um, and yeah, it was sort of about um, exploring what it means to be a poet. Um, I guess I've always been quite aware of the fact that I come from a, a working class background and poets in general are held in quite a high degree of suspicion um, <laughs> and contempt. Um, and not always unjustified as well. I think, you know, partly to do with school syllabuses and things like that. There's working class communities kind of understandably feel a little bit alienated from poetry. Sometimes I think because the poetry they get exposed to when they're young um, is written by people who live lives that were, you know, unimaginably extravagant compared to theirs. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I guess I've always been quite aware of that and, and kind of asking myself, well, if I'm going to do this, like, how can I? try and do it in a way that feels like it's true to myself uh, and kind of represents where I come from. Um, so it's sort of like, almost like a joke, like if it, if it was a job, what if it was a job where you sort of clocked in at nine and you clocked out at five, you know, and you had to do like annual reports and, you know, wear a suit and, uh, you know, the kind of things you might do in a call center or something. Um, but then just from having that little sort of humorous thought, um, it made us think, well, what if you, um, actually went door to door and and started doing it that way and and for some reason that just kind of stuck um and I ended up uh giving it a go uh and uh yeah so it was was kind of about um exploring what it means to be a poet but as as I discovered as it went on as well it started to feel like it was also about what relationship with strangers as well and I was surprised how many people wanted to get involved um and how much it changed the way I felt about the people around us all of a sudden I felt a little bit less suspicious of strangers and a little bit more like connected to where I lived. Uh, and I started wondering why, why, first of all, why don't I normally talk to any of the neighbors that live around us? And also I feel like that's quite common. And then I started wondering why is it that most people do that? And, and is there a way you could use poetry as, as a way of kind of exploring that issue as well? Do you think a lot of the people thought you were trying to sort of encourage them to read poetry or was it more about just giving them this gift of a poem? Um, well, I don't feel like at any point it felt important not to try and, 
I was going to say like posh poetry on the like like you know and and made a point of um you know not kind of referencing other poets or kind of recommending other poets just because yeah I didn't want it to feel like some sort of like soft advertising campaign <laughs> but I suppose they were probably aware of the fact that just by because because what I should explain is like um the project happens in two parts so I I knock on the stranger's door um I ask them if they've got a minute to spare. And if they say yes, I do a poem right there and then. And the poem itself just explains why I'm there, uh, a little bit about who I am, um, and um, encourages them to talk to us about something that's important to them. Um, and then I go away. I spend a couple of weeks. Well, I try and find about five people in every area I visit. Uh, go away, spend a couple of weeks writing the five poems, and then come back and deliver them on the doorstep. Um, so I suppose like people were aware of the fact that just by me doing that first poem, I was kind of introducing them to our poem um, just because of the fact that I was doing it. Um, and I guess they were probably aware of the fact that I was going to bring a poem back. And so they, they read or listen to at least two poems. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if they felt like I was trying to encourage them to read more generally. And it was never anything that I advised and never said, oh, you should go away and read more poetry. But it, it was lovely sometimes when I'd bring back the poem. And I remember one interaction in particular with a guy called Alan, who was lovely. Uh, and he answered the door and I explained the concept. And he said, I don't really like poetry at all. I'm going to be honest with you, it's just not my cup of tea. But you can, you can come in anyway if you want. And he immediately invited us in and sat us down and told us, like, all of his life story which was really interesting and how he'd moved with his family from germany just after world war ii uh, and they had to flee the country because um his mom wasn't considered a, a pure enough german citizen um and so they were kind of hounded out of germany uh and got to britain and and suffered quite a lot of racial abuse uh here as well um, but yeah, bringing back a poem uh, loosely on that theme of racism and, and the need to challenge it um, and getting to the end of it and, and him being like, I need to get more poetry in my life. Like, can you recommend <laughs> any way that I can do that? And I said, well, yeah, I've got friends who run poetry nights. And he actually went along to some. I wasn't there um, at the one he went Aww. to, make it, but he went along and he made friends with uh, the organisers and it was really lovely to watch that knock-on effect of how you can make a small change in someone's life just by knocking on the door. Yeah, that's amazing. That um, and like you were saying, you're not encouraging them, not encouraging them to go read poetry, but by giving them a poem, and if they enjoy it, they're realizing that poetry is not something big and scary. It's just something nice that someone does. So that's so nice. So you write a lot of poems for other people and you also write poems for yourself. Is it a different sort of process doing the two things? Yeah, definitely. And it was really strange coming out of the door-to-door -door stuff at the start of 2020 um, and realising that, yeah, I guess it's, it's like a very different muscle and I'd got really, really used to using that muscle and then all of a sudden you're like, how do I do it without... A suggestion well I'll just think of a suggestion for myself just any any suggestion any suggestion at all and you just sort of sit and they're like could be could be anything could be absolutely anything I just need to think of a thing um but I feel like the process is more often for me when it's for myself I think that's the thing and it, it, I don't want to sort of bang on about like my background and my upbringing and stuff but like it sort of <laughs> Please feels bang like, on. often like I think of like the people I went to school with or like my family and stuff and they suspicions or 
frustrations about poetry are that it often seems like it doesn't it doesn't speak to them and it doesn't really have a point to it like i think that's often the criticism that i feel comes from uh that kind of community uh would be like you know i don't get why this exists like what is it telling me what is it bringing to us and and i remember i've got a collection of gil scott heron's poems uh on the shelf and he talks in the introduction about coming from a background where time is very, very valuable. And so if someone's going to sit down and invest the time in reading your book, they should feel like they've gained something from a poem, like something has changed within them or something has happened. And that could be comical or it could be serious or whatever, but there should be some sort of movement. It should give you something. Um, and I guess, so for me, when I'm writing for myself and I don't have someone saying, write as a poem about chicken nuggets or whatever it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm still asking myself those questions though, like where is this connection with a reader or a listener? Like what are they going to get out of this? And I suppose in the past year, it's been about inconsequential moments that have definitely happened to me, but which maybe subtly say something about something bigger that we all kind of feel at the same time. Like um, I'm thinking about a poem I wrote last summer about climbing up Hell Vellon uh, as part of a project with the National Trust. And um, it was like really, really crowded. It was actually the busiest the Lake District had ever been in recorded history because uh, there was a time when everyone was staycationing last summer. So there was like a queue to get up the mountain, like an actual endless queue just going up the trail. Um, and so the poem sort of became about anxieties about the pandemic but also you strange experiences you can have with strangers and connections you can make that um aren't friendships and aren't sort of uh lasting connections but just strange unusual scenarios you can find yourself in with other people and what that might teach you about something you know maybe about your your feelings about humanity or you know nature or the state of the world as it is um, so yeah, I think what I'm trying to say is I'm often looking for something that's not too big, you know, when I'm writing for myself, like something that's personal, but also resonates with other people as well. And the job often feels like trying to find those ideas or moments. Yeah, I feel like the door-to-door -door poetry would have been really good practice for writing for an audience, like you say, because you know exactly who you're writing for and who's going to read it. But when you write your own poem, you're kind of hoping that more than one person will read it and connect with it as well. So it's it's like a bit harder, but you can definitely use what you've learned from door to door poetry, can't you? Yeah. And it's like it is hard, you know, it's well, it's like I guess that little voice in the back of my head that just says, why should anyone care? When you're doing the door-to-door -door stuff, it's like, there's at least one person, you know, there's Alan <laughs> and Shum. And even if no one else reads, it's like, Alan will listen to it and Alan will care because it's about a subject that's really important to him. But I guess it's, a, yeah, it's remembering to have faith in yourself, which is easier to forget when you've got that person there to talk to immediately afterwards. It's remembering that actually someone else will care you might not know the name yet you know you might not know who they are but they are out there you know there's there's other people it's funny to think as well all the people around the uk who don't know any poets but love you <laughs> <laughs> you're their favorite and only poet <laughs> and hopefully there'll be more after this <laughs> right so although 
you're clearly an expert on writing poetry and performing and everything like that. I would say you're not an expert on your own poems because you're too close to them, I think. So that's why I'm going to take your poem, Career's Day, to be read by a non-poet and to be examined under the, the microscope. So does this scare you? Yes. Oh, t- I'm terrified. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds us of I did a thing in a school once in Wirral where uh, the school asked us to come in and they uh, were practicing for the unseen poetry exam. But to get ready for it, they uh, they analysed two of my poems uh, and compared and contrasted them. But they did it in the room <laughs> with me there and then had a discussion about like the literary techniques that used and at first I was just like they're not going to find anything this isn't anywhere near like Carol Ann Duffy or whatever you know um but then the 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 stranger thing was that they found stuff and I was completely unaware that it was there (laughs) they were like I really think this choice of word and you know language is really interesting here it has multiple meanings doesn't it and I was like that word is there because it rhymes with a word and another line that is why that one's there those kids have been brainwashed (laughs) but they speak so well they they know how to find alliteration and metaphors don't they you don't even know you're writing them (laughs) great so I'm going to ask you to read that poem but before you read it I just want to say thank you for talking to me today oh thanks for having us on Annie it's been lovely oh cheers this is called careers day I never had a dream job My mum would ask what I wanted to be frequently. It seemed a big commitment. Fireman, astronaut, doctor, musician, none of them really fit. Nothing did. Till Tuesday, year nine, Miss Espinosa's class. See, the career service had this computer programme that measured every element of your personality. Once processed, it would reveal your perfect career. And today, today was the day we got the results. Can you imagine my excitement as I held that envelope? Knowing within its folds lay the blueprint of my entire destiny. Every obstacle, every victory, I tore it open. Thank you for taking part in the careers decision program. We have analysed all of the data and can now confirm the ideal position for you is motorcycle courier. A motorcycle courier. Yes. It, It was unexpected, but I saw now that this was perfect. Leather jacket, Levi jeans. Weaving between traffic and busy metropolitan streets, I'd have a studio apartment, an espresso machine, play saxophone in a jazz quartet, the wind on my cheeks, a grip on the handlebars, worlds from the big wig suits and the eternal hamster wheel race. This was my ride out of this place. I ran home, bursting with the incredible news, ma'am. I am going to be a motorcycle courier, I cried. No, you're bloody not, she replied.
Hi, David. Hello. Thanks for coming to talk to me today. No problem. Okay, firstly, when someone says the word poetry to you, what is your general reaction? Um, it's not something that I've really like done a lot, so it's quite interesting sometimes. Uh, like Robert Burns was a poet who was quite well known. So, yeah, do you read his his poems at, like at New Year's or anything like that, like Ode to Ode on Burns Night? Yeah, I've read a couple. Oh yeah. Um, so why do you think you have never really got that into it? Because you've done it at school, I guess. Yeah, I just don't. I don't feel like I'm creative enough to like make my own poem. So I've never really had any interest in it. Okay, cool. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and what you're doing at the moment? Uh, so I'm in my final year at school, studying to go to college for a radio course. Oh, wow. Okay, great. Yeah. So you're doing your A-levels? Oh, no, you don't call it that. Sorry, in Scotland. I'm doing my hires, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it, that's it. Okay, so what about in your spare time? How do you relax? Well, I work sometimes in my spare time, but when I'm not, I like to play PlayStation or go to the park. Nice. Um, And also, I'm asking everyone this. Would you consider yourself an expert in anything? It doesn't have to be something big. It could be like doing the worm or something. Um, no, I'd, I'd probably making people laugh, but... Okay, yeah. <laughs> other than that, I'm not really sure. Okay, no, that's, I, I like that. That's a good thing to be an expert in. It's the best thing. Um, well, for today, you are a poetry expert. <laughs> <laughs> Which made you laugh. So, um, <laughs> and we're going to look at the poem Careers Day by Rowan McCabe. Would you be able to read the poem out? Yep. Thank you. I never had a dream job. My mom would ask what I wanted to be frequently. It seemed a big commitment. Fireman, astronaut, doctor, musician. None of them really fit. Nothing did. Till Tuesday, year nine. Miss Espinosa's class. See, the careers... Servers had this computer program that measured every element of your personality once processed. It would reveal your perfect career. And today, today was the day we got the result. Can you imagine my excitement when I, as I held that envelope, knowing within its folds lay the blueprint of my entire destiny, every ob- obstacle and every victory. I tore it open. Thank you for taking part in the careers decisions program. We've analysed all of the data and can now confirm ideal career for you as a motorcycle courier. A motorcycle courier. Yes, it was unexpected. But I saw now that this was perfect. Leather jacket, Levi jeans, weaving between traffic and busy metropolitan streets. I'd have a studio apartment, an espresso machine, play saxophone and a jazz quartet. The wind on my cheeks. A grip of the handlebars, whirled from the big wig suit and the internal hamster wheel race. This was my ride out of this place. I ran home, bursting with the incredible news. Ma'am, I'm going to be a Mike motorcycle courier, I cried. No, you're bloody not, she replied. <laughs> Thank you. I liked your, your mum voice at the end. She really sounded like she meant it. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you for reading that out. Okay, so what are your first impressions of that poem? Is there any bits that stand out to you? It's quite relatable to me because mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know what I was going to do for a career, and then uh, I spoke to like my career's advisor who helps me with it, and then I found out that music tech was a subject in my school that I could go on to use to become a radio broadcaster. Oh yeah. So you went, you actually went to your careers advisor and said, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And they came up with the idea of being a radio producer. Yep, because they, they were looking at my options choices and saw that I took music, or taking music tech at the time and mm-hmm. told me to like the basics of it and what we do. And then if I wanted to, like, if that helped with my career to take the next level so I could progress further with it. So you're going to go on to college and do that next? Yeah, hopefully. Oh, that's so great. Okay, so it's very relatable for you then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so what is going on in this poem? What's the storyline? It's about, uh, I think it's about a boy who doesn't know what his dream job is. And he does a survey on a computer that, can help him with his career and once he gets the results back he knows exactly what he wants to do but his mum doesn't agree with it (laughs) and so what is a motorcycle career um i'm not too sure really it's something to do with motorcycles but i don't know exactly what they do i think it's like delivering things basically from one place to another like say for like the postman or something but do you, so you think that the speaker in this poem, they they want to be when they find this out. That do you think they want to be a mo- motorcycle courier? Yeah, they seem very happy. About yeah, getting the job still. Because they kind of they kind of imagine it as being quite fun, don't they? Yeah. They say um, leather jacket, Levi jeans, and they'd have a studio apartment and an espresso machine and play saxophone in a jazz quartet so they're kind of imagining what their life would be like with that job yeah i'm pretty sure everybody does that once um they know what their job going to be doing they're like planning out what they want or what they want to do with it so but it's it's funny that um all of the things that they they say they'll do once they get this job is kind of stuff you could do whatever job you had yeah it's like you say it's basically about being sort of knowing that you're going to get any job and then you just kind of go phew I can do all these things I think it's just relief of having any job right or knowing what you want to do yeah it's much more ideal if you know exactly what you want to do yeah so you didn't have like a dream job that you wanted to do well I wanted like every young boy in my and like first year all wanted to be a footballer I was part of them but as I grew up I realized that it's quite hard to do so I didn't decide to want to be a footballer anymore and decided to just follow my career path by my subjects I'm taking so yeah I think it's interesting the idea of a dream job when you're younger because it doesn't really matter if you're sort of it doesn't really matter about being realistic. It just It's just something you've seen someone else do and you think, I want to do that as well. Yeah. And then as you get older, 
you think, well, I need to do something I'm good at and that I'll like and that will kind of, you kind of, when you choose a job, you're kind of choosing what sort of life you want to have. Yeah. And there are positive and negative things about being a footballer. Like you have to train all the time. Yeah. And you can get injured for yeah. months. So. And you retire really early. And then what do you do? Um, that's as, that is that as well. Because I don't know what, like there's a chance you could become a coach or something, but not mm. everybody's up for that. So there's nothing really for them to do. Or you can be in crisp adverts. <laughs> so that I think that's really interesting that you um, you went to the careers advisor recently and found what you want to do. And um, do your family support you in that choice? Uh, yeah, they've backed me all the way and helped me find the college course that I want to do. So, so you had this exact experience that goes on in this poem of running home to your family and saying, hey, I know what I want to do now. Yeah. That's fun. And so in this poem, why do you think their mom doesn't want them to be a motorcycle courier? Because um, motorcycles can be quite dangerous on the roads because of the uh, their speed. They can, like on a motorway, if they slip, they can crash into a car and they'll have worse damage because they're not behind a seatbelt or anything. So. Yeah, that that's probably why, I guess. Otherwise, maybe she would have supported their decision. I don't know. I don't know because maybe they maybe they'd think they would want them to have a different job. I don't know. Yeah, but you'd think they were just happy for them. I know. It's as it's like parents. They can make sometimes a good decision when it comes to if if they want you to do a job or not. But I feel like it should be up to the. Uh, person that wants the job like yeah just to get, if, if they get their parents support that's good but if they don't they can still chase their dreams and not be crushed down by one person that says they don't want them to do that so yeah that's interesting I agree with you there but then I don't think um the the speaker of this poem then went on to become a motorcycle courier um I think maybe they just liked, they liked the idea of any job. And maybe they went on to become a poet, which is a great job as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, there you go. Thank you very much for um, coming to talk to me. How do you feel about poetry now? Do you think you'll look at poems any differently? Maybe some, but it's not something that I'd read on a daily basis. I might try it, but I don't know if I'll get into it. Was this the kind of poem you expected me to bring? Uh, no, because I've, I've been doing poems in schools right now for English and they're not that interesting. But mm. this one was quite interesting. Yeah, you want something relatable, don't you? Yeah. Are the ones you're doing in school not that relatable? No, because it's like mythical legends. Because <laughs> and, and, um, we're doing... For, we need to do a critical essay for it so we're doing At Your Own Head by Robin Robertson and I've not really been enjoying it because it's not like a real thing that happened it's just based on a mythical creature so mm. what's the mythical creature? Uh, a selkie oh okay yeah that's like a seal isn't it? yeah okay 
Well, I hope your essay goes well. Maybe you can use some of the thing, the ways you read this poem to to understand the selkie. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Thank you very much, and good luck with your radio career. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. Thanks, David. Bye bye. Join the conversation. To read the poem in full, go to www.time41poem, that's with the numbers four and one, .wordpress.com, and comment with your own interpretation of the poem. This podcast was made using funding from the National Lottery through Creative Scotland. Thanks for listening. <laughs>